Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. If you're here and you're young, you're going to love today's message because it really kind of helps us understand how to navigate the culture that we're in. Jesus actually was in a similar culture. Sometimes we, we think the world was always good, but he lived in a very similar culture. And when we watch how he dealt with things, it really helps us learn how to deal with things too. And we're going we're gonna to deal with him running into a woman. He had an encounter with a woman. She was caught in this sin of adultery. Now, adultery just simply means either she was married or the man that she was with was married. And of course, from cover to cover in the Bible, we're taught that once we're married, man, that, that we're to stay faithful to our mate. And so Jesus meets her, and we're going to have a blast as we talk about this. But I want to talk for a moment just about myself. When I was a young Christian, I began to study the Bible, and uh, I, I just really, really got into it. And then you begin to learn things. Many of you have done the same thing, probably most of you. And then there's that stage where you become a little bit critical of anybody that's not doing what you figured out or what you're not doing. And there's this guy, I'm probably 20, 20 and a half years old, and he kept getting drunk. And you know, the Bible teaches us it's not wrong to drink, but don't get drunk. And doesn't that make sense? Does anything ever good happen when you get drunk, right? So it's like the Bible says, don't be drunk with, with wine. Don't get, you know, get out of control. And this guy kept doing it weekend after weekend, going to bars, getting drunk, and he'd come to me and tell me, and then I'd try to help him, but my, my knowledge wasn't that great. And I would just show him the scripture, be not drunk, and I, I, I'd be really tough on him. If you don't stop this, you're not going to make heaven. And one day I just told him, I'm tired of working with you, and just let him have it. And then our friendship broke. And I did everything wrong, and here's where I was at. The Bible teaches where I was at. It's right here, 1 Corinthians 8.1. It says, now I will write about meat that is sacrificed to idols. Paul had to write because this was a problem in Bible days. They would have people that would sacrifice animals to idols, but the temple was always uh, in a building where right next to it was a restaurant. They figured, why waste the meat, right? And they, they had dills on their meat, so they would cook the meat they offered to idols, and you could go get a steak much cheaper there than you could at another restaurant. So Christians were going there for steak, and other Christians felt like, how could you go there and eat steak? That was offered to an idol, and then other Christians were thinking, it's still, it's just meat. I don't, I'm not worshiping the idol. So there's this big war going on. Paul had to deal with it, and we have issues that are similar today, different but similar. And then it goes on and it says this, we know that we all have knowledge. That's Bible knowledge. Knowledge puffs you up with pride, but love builds up. So they had people that were super critical, super judgmental towards other Christians that were doing something they felt was wrong. And he paints this beautiful picture. When he says love builds up, it doesn't mean the people that are loving don't have knowledge. They have knowledge. What it means is they've grown and they've matured spiritually and they've learned you don't have to compromise the truth. You can always take the stand and do what the Bible says, but you don't have to criticize. You don't have to be judgmental. You don't have to be critical. And this is what we're going to learn from this woman that was caught in the act of adultery. So you know how I always have, I have a big idea. This is what I want you guys to walk out understanding more clearly than ever, right? And it goes like this. You can live by the truth without condemning with the truth. And what did I do with that guy? I condemned him 
with the truth. I, I was young. I didn't know better. I hadn't grown in God uh, to an area where I knew how to, how, to, how to literally love this guy and bring him up to the next level. So that's what we want to talk about today. Jesus showed us how to do it. So here's the text. It's John 8, 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, these would be the religious leaders of the Jewish church, brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. So if you read the verses above, this entire chapter, Jesus is sitting and he's teaching a group of people. So he never changes locations, and these people keep listening the whole time, and that's important to note at this point. Listen to verses 4 and 5. And Jesus, uh, and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? And that was in the law. But remember, Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus did fulfill the law. Jesus brought us into the law of love. But here's why they did it. Verse 6, they were using this question as a trap. They wanted to entrap him in order to have basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his fingers. He ignored them. All of us want to know what he wrote. None of us really know. We don't know what he wrote. It would be cool to find out one day. But, but here's what's happening. They were under Roman occupation. And so the Jewish people were not allowed. They were allowed to have courts and judges, but they were not allowed to pronounce a death sentence on anyone. Only Rome could do that. That's why Jesus had to be taken to Pontius Pilate in order to be condemned to death. So these guys knew that if Jesus said, yeah, put her to death, they knew Jesus would be thrown into jail and Jesus would literally be put to death. The Roman government would have, have, have put him to death for breaking Roman law. But they also knew this. If Jesus said, don't stone her, then they'd be able to say he can't be the Messiah because if he was the Messiah, he would hold true to the Bible. And they had him. They thought there's no way he can weasel out of this. They wanted to discredit him because he's walking around saying, I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. These religious people feel threatened. They want to get rid of him. And so it reads on like this. Verse 7, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And here's what he really, it's just the most incredible answer ever. He said, uh, yeah, whoever wants to, you throw the first stone. And, and they all know if we throw a stone, Romans are throwing us in jail because we'll be the one that initiated this and we're going to be put to death. So everybody's deathly afraid. You know, I remember reading this as a young person, a young Christian, and I thought, Oh, Jesus convicted these religious guys. No, you can see as you read on, they were not convicted. Uh, they knew that if we throw this, we, we, we're going to go to jail and be put to death. So listen to verse 8. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you. Verse 11, no one, sir, she said, neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Do you see how he held to the standard adultery still wrong, 
But he said, I don't condemn you. You know, I'm sure in a, in a room this size, listen online, TCI, all of us, I'm sure there are people in here who have failed in this area of your life. And isn't it nice to know that God forgives and, and God washes us clean? And it's just so wonderful to know that God loves us and forgives us. But he also wants us to go to the next level, right? And he's telling her, now I want you to go on and, and I want you to straighten your life up. But let me ask you a question. Do you think she was able to immediately straighten her life up perfect? She probably was a prostitute, right? And I'm sure that was her livelihood. I'm sure she wanted to, but I'm sure she had or would have some times when she fell. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knows that about us. Don't we all have some areas of our life? It's different for all of us, but don't we all have some areas of our life that it's a struggle to be free in that area? And 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 so this is really an important message because, you know, God doesn't want us to compromise the truth. He wants us to hold true to the truth, but he doesn't want us to take it and use it like a bat and beat people uh, with us. He wants us to understand that we can take them to the next level and how to take them to the next level. So he goes on in this chapter. That woman's still hanging out. The religious guys are listening because they, they still want to get Jesus any way they can. And so he begins to just say, and this is for the religious people and us, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to heaven unless they come through me. He says, you're going to lift me up. That's the crucifixion. But he said, I'll draw all men under me if you do that. And he's just telling them, I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. But then he wants to address this dear woman. He wants to address you and I. Because I don't know about you, when I first accepted Christ, and, and, and before I understood this, I had a lot of frustrating moments where I thought, maybe I just need to walk away from this because I just cannot overcome a couple things. And they are just, it's just bugging me. And I felt like God was mad at me. I felt condemned. But then I see Jesus, man, Jesus loved this woman. He just wanted to take her to the next level. So he goes on further down in this chapter and he teaches a mind-blowing truth that will change our lives. And here's what he lets us know, guys. All, all the students in here, it's a process. It's a process for us adults. It's a process for you. None of this happens in the, in the blink of an eye, in the snap of a finger. So listen to what he says in John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, this would be true to any of us that accept Christ. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Verse 32, first word, then. We're going to read verse 32. But I just want you to know, verse 31 will cause something to happen in your life. That's what the word then is referring to. But let's just talk about verse 31 first. If you hold to my teachings, that would be the word of God for us. Then you're really my disciples. And here's the trick. Here's what he's teaching this woman who now has to navigate. She has all this muscle built living a certain lifestyle. Now she has to come out of it. And he's trying to let her know, here's how you come out of it. You grab the Bible and you hold on to it. And this, this word, the Greek word here, literally means to cleave to something. So before, before I accepted Christ, I was a chain smoker. Three packs minimum a day, which means you have a cigarette in your mouth every second of every day. And so I cling to the cigarettes. You know, so It was expensive, but no matter what I was doing, my brother Tony used to hate to drive with me. He smoked three cigarettes a day. I don't know how that can even be done. But, and I'm a chain smoker, and he didn't want to be in a car with me. And, and so that's what it means to cling, just whoo, whoo, whoo. And Jesus is saying, do that with the Bible, right? He says, grab this baby, hold on to it, cling to it. That means you read it, 
every day. You find some scriptures that, that apply to what you're dealing with, and you read it, you read it. It's a process. You fail. You read it some more. You read about, like, that, like our last song, what God did when you accepted Christ, that you're a new person. One, one of the verses, as I just clung to this and clung to it, was the verse that says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I read that forever before I got it. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, cling to it. Cling to it. Read it. Read it. And then here's what will happen. Verse 33, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is it that sets us free? And if you read the verses down, I'm not going to take time. He's talking about being set free from sin because the religious people challenge them. They said, we're, we're, not, we're not in bondage to anyone. It's like, duh, Rome's occupying you. You are. In. But they go, and he says, well, I'm not talking about that. He said, I'm talking about sin. He says, and if you can't stop doing different sins, you're a slave to it. And he says, I'm talking about setting you free. How do you, how do you get set free? Verse 31, you just put yourself and immerse yourself. It's one of the main principles in the scriptures. And then it's, it's miraculous what happens. Notice what he says, then you will know the truth. And what sets you free? Knowing the truth. See, knowledge, just the truth by itself, it puffs us up. That's where I was when I was young. And then when you get to know it, then it, you just begin not to want to do things. You begin to have the strength to say no, to resist. It's amazing. So I want to talk to you a moment about this word no, because the Greek word is gnosko, and it literally means experiential knowledge. It means that you have intimate knowledge that comes by experience. And isn't that what he told us to do in the verse above? Stick with it. Stick with it. He says, eventually you'll get it. So here's a true story. I was thinking about this, and this popped in my mind. Um, when I was in Bible school, I went to Bible school in Oklahoma, very flat country, right? I learned to drive stick shift there, you know, shift gears. And it was flat. I did it for just a short time. Then I went 30 years and didn't drive stick shift. And then five years ago, I decided to buy my Jeep, and it's, it's a rag top, and I love it. And uh, it's, it's manual stick, you know. And, and I was amazed. I got in there for the test ride. And, and I was smooth. The clutch is just smooth. And I thought, oh, I, I still remember how to do this. My kids ride with me. They go, Dad, you can't even feel your shifting gears. And I said, yeah, you just get used to it. You get used to it. But there was so much I didn't know. And there was this favorite route I had. Um, every now and then, I, I like to take my laptop and go sit somewhere. Right now, I go to Panera's. And I have to go out of town or I can't work. And so I usually drive, you know, 30, 40 minutes and uh, there was a Starbucks in Aurora that I just absolutely loved, and they ruined it, and moved it, and put it into a small place. But it was the biggest Starbucks ever. And I'd get on 305, turns in 82. What a fun road, all these hills. But every time I'd come to a hill, it's 55. By the time I arrived at the top of the hill, I'm going 40. And people behind me are mad, and I'm like, what's wrong with this Jeep? And I can't figure it out, and I'm doing this for months and just wondering, what's wrong, what's wrong? And so one day I was talking to a friend. I said, I think I need to drop a bigger engine in this Jeep. And he started to laugh at me. He goes, that's one of the best engines ever built. It's going to last 300,000 miles. Don't you dare touch it. And I said, but it doesn't have the power to get up a hill. And then he really laughed at me. He said, you have to just downshift the fourth or third dummy. And uh, he said, you'll go, you'll zip up those. 
I didn't know that. So the next time I got up there, I went to fourth, and that wasn't enough for this, this really big hill after Nelson's Ledge just uh, go, going towards Aurora. And I went into third, and it was like magic. And I just, 65, 70, zoom, it was the most amazing thing. And then I drove a couple summers with that knowledge and then through some snow and that knowledge. Now I have what you would call gnosko knowledge of a, 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 a manual transmission. It came from practice after practice after practice, after practice. And that's how the Bible is. Many Christians are, we, we are stumbling up the hills of life and we're falling into ditches because we don't realize this thing's a process. And the only way to overcome it is what I did. You keep doing it, you keep doing it. You ask questions, you learn, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then you're going to be able to shift and get up all the hills that are in your life and overcome. And that's what Gnosko is referring to. And it's not overnight. It's a process. How many of you want to smile when you realize it's a process? And Jesus is saying to this woman, listen, this isn't going to be easy. I don't condemn you. I want you to make it your goal to obey the word of God. But this is going to take you a while. But here's what you do. You stick to it. You stick to it. So I don't know. Some of you may be like I, I am. I was born more critical than the average person. I don't know why. Kind of judgy, you know, critical. And... Uh, over the years sticking in the Bible, I realized why I don't want to do that. And I'm, I'm just going to show you the top three reasons why you and I don't want to judge people, be critical of people. And here's the first reason. Uh, we don't know everything. We just don't. How many of you can understand the woman caught in the act of adultery? We don't know her story. Jesus probably did because he, he had, was supernatural in that way. We don't know her story. I was talking to a missionary in Mexico at the beginning of the year, and they told me the most alarming story I had ever heard. Uh, they have a missions there for young girls. And they told me that many of these parents, when their daughters hit 12 or 13, they send them out on the streets to prostitute to bring money to the home. Mothers and fathers send their kids out. And that blew my gaskets being a father of daughters. I can't even comprehend it. But that could have been what happened to this woman. We don't know her story. We don't know why she's broken. And all of us are broken in different areas. And other people don't know our stories. Only God knows our stories. And so we're not capable of judging. We can see what someone's doing wrong and say, boy, that's not right. And we can, now we know how to help them. We just want to keep leading them to the scriptures and to God who can set them free as they keep sticking with it. But listen what David said to Solomon. Solomon's a young man. He's about ready to become king. David's about ready to die and go to heaven. In 1 Chronicles 28, 9, And you, Solomon, my son, get to know well your father's God. That would be our God too. Serve him with a whole heart and eager mind, for God examines every heart and sees through every motive. And if you're critical, you'll take that negative, like God's judging you. But no, God knows your story. God knows our story. And God loves us, and he wants to just get us to the next level. And he knows the parts of the Bible that we need to understand so we can be set free. Here's the, here's the second. Uh, we don't want everything. And unfortunately, God has placed laws into motion in this world, and they're there. One law we're all familiar, it would be more the natural realm. It's the law of gravity, right? And if I step off the stage, which way am I going? Am I staying the same level? Am I going up or am I going down? I'm going down every time. If I was younger and weren't worried about hurting my knees, I'd, I'd jump off just for impact. But, but I'm not doing that today, right? 
So whether I believe in gravity or not, whether I know it exists or not, is it going to work every single time in every one of our lives? It's a law. Well, God set up a law called seed time and harvest. And whether you know about it or not, it's working. Whether you believe in it or not, you don't have to believe in it. It's working. And he said this, whatever we sow, we will reap. It will come back just like it does with a seed in the ground. He says, that's how it works in our life. So how we treat people, people will begin to treat us the same way. However we treat someone, whatever we do will come back to us in a harvest. And here's Jesus talking about it in Luke 8 or uh, Luke 6, 37. It says this, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Now, this is not talking how God's going to respond to you. This is talking about people. And he's talking about the law of seed, time, and harvest. Because the next verse, verse 38, says, Give, and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together through the hands of people. That's what the literal Greek language says. So if you forgive, more people will forgive you. If you judge, if you condemn, if you're critical, then you're going to get a lot more of that back in your life. So may, let me make sure you understand this. Um, if you're perfect, if you're the most loving person on the planet, you forgive everybody, there's still going to be some random people that don't forgive you, right? There's always those random people that aren't going to treat you just right. But if you're super critical, you don't forgive, you judge, you're going to have tons of people give that back to you. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us how this law works. So you and I can literally ch change the way people treat us by us deciding, I'm going to treat people the way I want to be treated, and we just sow that love and sow that treatment. And then he says, that's going to grow. Come right back into your life. That's, that's reason number two. You don't want everything. There's a lot of things we don't want coming back at us. Now, this next one, I, I had some of this going on in my life. Number three, judging means we have a thing. In other words, when you and I are critical and judgmental, it means we have some issues in our life, and we're really upset with ourselves, and so we become very critical towards other people that have those issues. And I want to share a story with you. Uh, anyone probably 50 and up, you, you lived through this. If you're younger, you, you, you may be hearing it for the first time. But it, it was viral at the time. Everybody in the world knew about it. It was every headline on every news uh, and there was this, this minister, his name was Jimmy Baker. How many of you remember Jim and Tammy Baker, right? Had a wonderful ministry, very big, very large, and Jim made a mistake and had an extramarital affair, and it came out. And at first he did what so many people do even today, right? He denied it and denied it. So he's in that denial stage. And then there's this other minister. His name's Jimmy, too. It's Jimmy Swaggart. And Jimmy Swaggart had the largest, biggest evangelistic ministry of all times. No one has ever touched him. More money coming in, more impact, huge, huge ministry. And when Jimmy Swagger heard what Jimmy Baker had done, he began to attack Jimmy Baker like crazy. And he would attack him, say, I can't believe he did this. What kind of minister is he? He needs to step down. And he's just beating him up every, every day, just beating him up like crazy on TV. And then guess what happens? One of the prostitutes that Jimmy Swaggart was seeing regularly with a ball cap and glasses on, that he thought she didn't know who he was, she got so upset watching him beat up Jimmy Baker, she went public. 
And then it came out that he was way worse and doing way worse things. And it proves the point, right? I'm not trying to get down on either one of them. They've, they've repented. They've gotten their lives back together, both of them. They both went through really hard times. God does forgive. How many of us are excited that God forgives? Can we give it up and say, thank you, God, for forgiving? Thank you, God. So excited. Now, that, that's a sin that no minister, if that happens, you need to step down immediately. That's just, you, you need lots of years for people to trust you again. Because isn't this all about trust? And that's an area you do not want to cross the line. God will forgive you, but people have to be able to trust you, right? But here's why I share that. It's really important. Jimmy Swaggart had his own issues, and he was so upset with himself, he was taken out on Jimmy Baker. He, it was like Jimmy Baker was him, and he was beating him up. And that's what happens. Usually when we're critical, we may not have things like that, but there's issues in our life, and we're so upset with ourselves, and we don't understand the love of God, the mercy of God, forgiveness of God. We don't understand, hey, this is a process, and we need to grow. We need to cling to the Word, and we just start getting crazy with everybody else because we're upset with where we're at, and Jesus talked about this. Listen, I'm going to read, uh, beginning in Matthew 7, 1, he said this, do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the same measure you use, we measure back to you. We, just, we talked about that earlier. That's seed time and harvest. But here's what we want, verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? What did Jesus say? If you're judging, you have a thing. And I want you to just think about the difference. Have you ever gotten a speck in your eye? It feels like it's huge, but you go to the eye doctor, he, has, he needs magnification to even find it and flush it out. It's just this tiny little dust. But then the plank is like the size of a log. And here's what Jesus is saying. Critical people have these huge logs of sin and problems in their lives, and they're so upset with themselves, they're looking for all the specks in everybody else's eyes, and they're attacking them. It's okay to notice someone's doing wrong, but it's what we do with it, right? And so verse 4 goes on and says this, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? How can you even see, right? Verse 5, you hypocrite, and God dealt with me, and it, it was lesser things, but he dealt with me about this. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And it's different. It's different to point it out as opposed to begin to pray for them. And if you have a relationship with them, say, hey, here's what you can do. You just need to immerse yourself in the scriptures. Hold on to it. You'll eventually walk free from this. I'll help you through it. That's way different than attacking someone for their faults and just hitting them and hitting them. But Jesus says, typically, if you're criticizing there's issues in your life. And can we all agree we all have issues, right? We all have issues. And so when I saw this, I made a decision. Man, I, I'm, I was a critical guy, and I just thought, you know what? I need to turn the flashlight on Joe, and I need to put myself under the spotlight, and I need to just work out my issues. And I'm not compromising. If someone's doing something terrible, I'm not going to say it's okay but I am going to try to minister life to them. It's such a difference. Now, remember how we learn in, in John 8, 31, hold dear to the word of God. Can I show you what, what it will do inside you? It's the most amazing thing. I want to close with this thought. It's Hebrews 4, 12, and here's what it says. For the word of God is alive and active. That's the Bible. It could be Jesus, but in this context, it's the Bible. 
and they are one. Jesus is the Word. The Word is one with Christ. This Bible is like no other book. It's alive. So when you read it and it gets inside you, it does what nothing else can do. And it goes on and says this, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And this isn't God saying, I'm going to get you. This is God saying, you put the Bible in you, it's going to shake you up from the inside out. It's going to help you see where you need to grow, where you need to change. It's going to open up your eyes, and it's going to set you free. So here's the attitude that I take. I'm going to live the truth. I'm going to follow it with all my heart, but I'm not going to use it to beat people up but I'm not going to compromise it at the same time. And that's how God wants us going through life. He wants us to see people as precious and know that this person needs some help. And if they just do this, they can go the distance. But how many of us can agree? People don't want to hear what we have to say till they first know we love them, right? And, and they, they know we care about them. So there's certain people I can't speak into their life. I can speak publicly like I am now, but uh, if someone doesn't know me, they don't want to hear what I have to say, right? And, uh, but if I get to know them, they see I love them, then they'll come to me and I can help them. They'll come to you and you can help them. So let me ask you a question. How many of you are excited that God's not condemning you, but God wants to grow you. If you're excited about that, he showed you how to grow. Can we just give it up to God one more time? TCI, man, let's give it up to God. We love you, Lord God. Hey, let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, I know that all of us in this room, you've spoken to us and you've ministered to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we thank you so much. Lord, and I know whenever I listen to someone teach the Bible, I know you give me direction, and I thank you. And Father, all of us right now, we just want to, we want to make a commitment to you that, that we're going to hold, we're going to cling to the Word of God. And we thank you for the promise that it will grow us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that not one of us in this room has to be hopeless. If we sin big, you said you forgive us. And, and we just thank you that your mercy and grace never ends. We thank you that we don't have to be condemned. And Father, we also just make a commitment wherever we're struggling, Lord, we're going to go after the Bible in that area, and we thank you that it's going to open up our eyes. We're going to shift the gear, and we're going to go to the next level in that area of our life. Thank you for giving us hope, Lord God. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you walked in TCI. Maybe you're listening online, live streaming, or maybe you're in this room right here in Warren. And when you walked in, you weren't sure of your forever. You could have grown up in church, and that's wonderful. So you learned a lot of good things in church. That's wonderful. But the question I'm asking you is this. Whether you grew up in church, you grew up out of church, whether you came in believing in God or not sure if God existed, here's what I'm asking you. What have you done with Jesus? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was talking about that in that eighth chapter. He said, whoever trusts in me, I'll give them eternal life. I'll wash their sins away. Whoever accepts me, whoever believes in me, I'll, I'll, I'll give them eternal life. They'll go to heaven. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen up. Can you remember a day in your life where you gave your heart to Jesus? I'm not asking you if you know him. I'm asking you can you remember a day when you said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven and I trust in you. If you're listening, you say, no, why not today? Why not say, Jesus, I, I want to give you my heart today. 
So if you're here and you say, I'm ready, would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, in, 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 in all our campuses, can, can you help them pray? Let's just help them out. If you're saying it for the first time, simply mean it. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. And this day, I look to Jesus, the Savior of the world. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. This day, I trust in you as the only way to heaven. I believe God raised you out of that grave, and you are the answer. And I accept you today. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.